Section 33 of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering or the Astrologer by Sir Walter Scott. Volume 2, Chapter 1. I renounce your defiance if you parley so roughly i'll barricade my gates against you do you see yon bay window storm i care not serving the good duke of norfolk mary devil of edmonton julia mannering to matilda marchmont i rise from a sick-bed my dearest matilda to communicate the strange and frightful scenes which have just passed alas how little we ought to jest with futurity i closed my letter to you in high spirits with some flippant remarks on your taste for the romantic and extraordinary in fictitious narrative how little i expected to have had such events to record in the course of a few days and to witness scenes of terror or to contemplate them in description is as different my dearest matilda as to bend over the brink of a precipice holding by the frail tenure of a half-rooted shrub or to admire the same precipice as represented in the landscape of salvator but i will not anticipate my narrative the first part of my story is frightful enough though it had nothing to interest my feelings you must know that this country is particularly favourable to the commerce of a set of desperate men from the isle of man which is nearly opposite these smugglers are numerous resolute and formidable and have at different times become the dread of the neighbourhood when any one has interfered with their contraband trade the local magistrates from timidity or worse motives have become shy of acting against them and impunity has rendered them equally daring and desperate with all this my father a stranger in the land and invested with no official authority had one would think nothing to do but it must be owned that as he himself expresses it he was born when mars was lord of his ascendant and that strife and bloodshed find him out in circumstances and situations the most retired and pacific about eleven o'clock on last tuesday morning while hazelwood and my father were proposing to walk to a little lake about three miles distance for the purpose of shooting wild ducks and while lucy and i were busied with arranging our plan of work and study for the day we were alarmed by the sound of horses feet advancing very fast up the avenue the ground was hardened by a severe frost which made the clatter of the hoofs sound yet louder and sharper in a moment two or three men armed mounted and each leading a spare horse loaded with packages appeared on the lawn and without keeping upon the road which makes a small sweep pushed right across for the door of the house their appearance was in the utmost degree 
hurried and disordered and they frequently looked back like men who apprehended a close and deadly pursuit my father and hazelwood hurried to the front door to demand who they were and what was their business they were revenue officers they stated who had seized these horses loaded with contraband articles at a place about three miles off but the smugglers had been reinforced and were now pursuing them with the avowed purpose of recovering the goods and putting to death the officers who had presumed to do their duty the men said that their horses being loaded and the pursuers gaining ground upon them they had fled to woodbourne conceiving that as my father had served the king he would not refuse to protect the servants of government when threatened to be murdered in the discharge of their duty my father to whom in his enthusiastic feelings of military loyalty even a dog would be of importance if he came in the king's name gave prompt orders for securing the goods in the hall arming the servants and defending the house in case it should be necessary hazelwood seconded him with great spirit and even the strange animal they call samson stalked out of his den and seized upon a fowling-piece which my father had laid aside to take what they call a rifle-gun with which they shoot tigers etc in the east the piece went off in the awkward hands of the poor parson and very nearly shot one of the excisemen at this unexpected and involuntary explosion of his weapon the dominie such is his nickname exclaimed prodigious which is his usual ejaculation when astonished but no power could force the man to part with his discharged piece so they were content to let him retain it with the precaution of trusting him with no ammunition this excepting the alarm occasioned by the report escaped my notice at the time you may easily believe but in talking over the scene afterwards hazelwood made us very merry with the dominie's ignorant but zealous valour when my father had got everything into proper order for defence and his people stationed at the windows with their firearms he wanted to order us out of danger into the cellar i believe but we could not be prevailed upon to stir though terrified to death i have so much of his own spirit that i would look upon the peril which threatens us rather than hear it rage around me without knowing its nature or its progress lucy looking as pale as a marble statue and keeping her eyes fixed on hazelwood seemed not even to hear the prayers with which he conjured her to leave the front of the house but in truth unless the hall door should be forced we were in little danger the windows being almost blocked up with cushions and pillows and what the dominie most lamented with folio volumes brought hastily from the library leaving only spaces through which the defenders might fire upon the assailants my father had now made his dispositions and we sat in breathless expectation in the darkened apartment the men remaining all silent upon their posts in anxious contemplation 
probably of the approaching danger my father who was quite at home in such a scene walked from one to another and reiterated his orders that no one should presume to fire until he gave the word hazelwood who seemed to catch courage from his eye acted as his aide-de-camp and displayed the utmost alertness in bearing his directions from one place to another and seeing them properly carried into execution our force with the strangers included might amount to about twelve men at length the silence of this awful period of expectation was broken by a sound which at a distance was like the rushing of a stream of water but as it approached we distinguished the thick beating clang of a number of horses advancing very fast i had arranged a loophole for myself from which i could see the approach of the enemy the noise increased and came nearer and at length thirty horsemen and more rushed at once upon the lawn you never saw such horrid wretches notwithstanding the severity of the season they were most of them stripped to their shirts and trousers with silk handkerchiefs knotted about their heads and all well armed with carbines pistols and cutlasses i who am a soldier's daughter and accustomed to see war from my infancy was never so terrified in my life as by the savage appearance of these ruffians their horses reeking with the speed at which they had ridden and their furious exclamations of rage and disappointment when they saw themselves balked of their prey they paused however when they saw the preparations made to receive them and appeared to hold a moment's consultation among themselves at length one of the party his face blackened with gunpowder by way of disguise came forward with a white handkerchief on the end of his carbine and asked to speak with colonel mannering my father to my infinite terror threw open a window near which he was posted and demanded what he wanted we want our goods which we have been robbed of by these sharks said the fellow and our lieutenant bids me say that if they are delivered we'll go off for this bout without clearing scores with the rascals who took them but if not we'll burn the house and have the heart's blood of every one in it a threat which he repeated more than once graced by a fresh variety of imprecations and the most horrid denunciations that cruelty could suggest and which is your lieutenant said my father in reply that gentleman on the grey horse said the miscreant with the red handkerchief bound about his brow then be pleased to tell that gentleman that if he and the scoundrels who are with him do not ride off the lawn this instant i will fire upon them without ceremony so saying my father shut the window and broke short the conference the fellow no sooner regained his troop than with a loud hurrah or rather a savage yell they fired a volley against our garrison the glass of the windows was shattered in every direction but the precautions already noticed saved the party within from suffering three such volleys were fired without a shot being returned from within my father then observed them getting hatchets and crows 
probably to assail the hall door and called aloud let none fire but hazelwood and me hazelwood mark the ambassador he himself aimed at the man on the grey horse who fell on receiving his shot hazelwood was equally successful he shot the spokesman who had dismounted and was advancing with an axe in his hand their fall discouraged the rest who began to turn round their horses and a few shots fired at them soon sent them off bearing along with them their slain or wounded companions we could not observe that they suffered any farther loss shortly after their retreat a party of soldiers made their appearance to my infinite relief these men were quartered at a village some miles distant and had marched on the first rumour of the skirmish a part of them escorted the terrified revenue officers and their seizure to a neighbouring seaport as a place of safety and at my earnest request two or three files remained with us for that and the following day for the security of the house from the vengeance of these banditti such dearest matilda was my first alarm i must not forget to add that the ruffians left at a cottage on the roadside the man whose face was blackened with powder apparently because he was unable to bear transportation he died in about half an hour after on examining the corpse it proved to be that of a profligate boar in the neighbourhood a person notorious as a poacher and smuggler we received many messages of congratulation from the neighbouring families and it was generally allowed that a few such instances of spirited resistance would greatly check the presumption of these lawless men my father distributed rewards among his servants and praised hazelwood's courage and coolness to the skies lucy and i came in for a share of his applause because we had stood fire with firmness and had not disturbed him with screams or expostulations as for the domine my father took an opportunity of begging to exchange snuff-boxes with him the honest gentleman was much flattered with the proposal and extolled the beauty of his new snuff-box excessively it looked he said as well as if it were real gold from ophir indeed it would be odd if it should not being formed in fact of that very metal but to do this honest creature justice i believe the knowledge of its real value would not enhance his sense of my father's kindness supposing it as he does to be pinchbeck gilded he has had a hard task replacing the folios which were used in the barricade smoothing out the creases and dog-ears and repairing the other disasters they have sustained during their service in the fortification he brought us some pieces of lead and bullets which these ponderous tomes had intercepted during the action and which he had extracted with great care and were i in spirits i could give you a comic account of his astonishment at the apathy with which we heard of the wounds and mutilation suffered by thomas aquinas or the venerable chrysostom but i am not in spirits and i have yet another and a more interesting incident to communicate i feel however 
so much fatigued with my present exertion that i cannot resume the pen till to-morrow i will detain this letter notwithstanding that you may not feel any anxiety upon account of your own julia mannering end of volume two chapter one